can you envision a day when you might return to the sport in in some official capacity? Would you even be interested in doing so if asked? You know, uh, you know, uh, there's, uh, 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 um, but you know, I always I always had you know said that uh, you know I, I'm really not. Woo! It's a celebration, bitches! He ain't coming back. Doesn't have to deal with this guy anymore. Okay, let's get into the show. Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Get all your news, results, and updates on NASCAR every week on this channel. You've tried the best, now here's the rest. Let's fill the last row with our hosts, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the bottom of the playlist as well as the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. Happy July 24th. It is also Friday, but good thing it's July 24th because we have three holidays to celebrate today. Today is National Cousins Day, so make sure to call up your cousins. If you're in the some of the southern states or Iowa, where I'm from, you're probably going to call up your cousin for a date. It's also National drive Through Day, so make sure to stop at your favorite fast food joint. Mine, personally, is In-N-Out Burger. I'm going to get fat. It's also National Tequila Day, so make sure to get drunk off your ass as well for Friday night. These are some of the three holidays that should never be told to someone who is poor or stupid, and we get it all in one day. Hallelujah. It's staying in the episode because why not? But we just had the Kansas Speedway race in the books, and it was a pretty good race, I gotta admit. Uh, The first half was a little bit boring, same with Texas, but the second half was absolutely exciting. It was kind of everything you wanted from a mile and a half race, not predicting who was going to win the race, a little bit of strategy mixed in between. We also got a bit of news to cover from this week since we kind of skipped that on Wednesday, and also we're going to go over our picks and see which drivers did the best and which drivers let us down and which observer was the best this week. So let's get into it. A bit of a longer episode, but it's going to be one I'm going to enjoy. Let's first get started with the Kansas City results. Alrighty, the Funkalicious music's in. You know what that means. It's time for the race results. We're going to be looking at the Superstar Batteries 400 presented by O'Reilly Auto Parts at Kansas Speedway. We had 22 lead changes amongst 9 drivers. We also had 11 cautions in this race. A lot of leaders, a lot of lead changes. The one to end up on top, however, was the number 11 of Denny Hamlin for the FedEx Freight Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. He gets his 5th victory in the season by winning here at the mile and a half, leading 57 laps. Congratulations to Denny Hamlin. He is your winner here at Kansas. Finishing second was the number two of Brad Keselowski. He also won stage two, so he was very competitive all night. Martin Trex Jr. finished third, followed by Kevin Harvick finishing fourth. Rounding up the top five was Eric Jones in the number 20 machine. Good run by him. Finishing sixth was the number 10 of Eric Amarola. The top finishing rookie was the number 41 of Cole Custer. And finishing eighth was the number 88 of Alex Bowman. Finishing ninth, we have the number one of Kurt Busch and William Byron. Driver of the number 24 will round out the top 10. Finishing 11th, we have the number 18 of Kyle Busch, who won stage one. Finishing 12th is the number nine of Chase Elliott. Finishing 13th is another rookie, the number eight of Tyler Reddick. Finishing 14 is the number 14 of Clint Boyer. 
Finishing 15th, we have the number 13 of Ty Dillon. Finishing 16th is number 34 of Michael McDowell. Finishing 17th, we have the number 42 of Matt Kenseth. Finishing 18th, the top-running open charter car, the number 96 of Daniel Suarez, is able to get a top 20. Finishing 19th is another rookie, the number 38 of John Hunter Nemechek. And rounding out the top 20 is the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. That is your top 20 here in Kansas. The ones who finished outside the top 20 who are no some noticeable drivers was Jimmy Johnson, the number 48, gets involved in an accident and is not able to maintain speed. He finishes 32nd, 67 laps down. We also have Chris Buescher in the number 17, finishing 33rd. Ryan Priest in the number 37 with a horrible crash. Thank goodness he was okay. He finishes 34th. 35th was the number 22 of Joey Logano, as well as the number 21 of Matt Benedetto finishing 36, involved in the same accident. We also had Bubba Wallace get into an accident beforehand. And then Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has an electrical problem. His car catches on fire on the inside. He finishes 40th. Those are some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 20. Really shook up the point standings as William Byron's able to go in. Matthew Bandetto falls a little bit back, almost into the clutches of the cutoff line. And we have Tyler Reddick and Jimmy Johnson and Eric Jones facing the outside. So that is your final results here at Kansas Speedway. Let's get into the racing. So like I said uh, just a couple of minutes ago, the... Racing in the first half was not really that exciting in a sense. Not too much passion. It was more of if you were up front, you were going to do good. After the second uh, stage, it started to go crazy because we started having accidents left and right. We had people taking more daring moves. I mean, Joey Logano gets a flat tire, takes out a few drivers. And then uh, Jimmy Johnson and those guys have a horrible incident where Ryan Priest actually gets uh, shot into the inside wall and he almost flips over on his side. That's one of the hardest hits I've seen since uh, Kyle Larson back in California a few years ago. He was okay. He got out of his car under his own power, which thank goodness for that. And near the end, we were starting to see a lot of strategy with drivers taking either two tires or no tires. I mean, William Byron was near the back most of the time, and he took two tires, and he was up front, and he was keeping up with those guys for the longest time. Even Alex Bowman, in a sense, drivers who really weren't competing at the beginning of the race. Uh, is that a problem? I mean, it, it, it still is. It doesn't look good on NASCAR when someone gets up front. They, they cannot be beaten. That's what happened to Austin Dillon. Cole Custer actually had a really good restart, so I'm not going to give him too much slack. But Austin Dillon took a pit strategy, and he was able to stay up front with no problem with people behind him getting two tires, uh, or four tires, excuse me. And then we had some few tire problems. Kyle Busch was able to redeem himself. He's only got 11th. He should have probably gotten a fifth or better finish and then ryan blaney so i say this was everything that a race needed to be as far as a summer race goes not going to be a highlight race um it's going to be still right there near the top because of that amazing run between the four drivers denny hamlin brad keselowski martin trex jr and kevin harvick all duking it out there at the end i couldn't tell who was going to win the race i thought it was going to be martin trex jr with the final five laps so Overall, really good race. I really like this one. I'm going to put this one near the top for this uh, year. If you haven't watched it yet, uh, make sure to check out the highlights. It was actually a really good race. So good job on NASCAR with this one. If the races uh, keep going like this for a mile and a half, I'll be perfectly happy with it, especially with this Gen 6 car. So that will conclude the final results. Now, before we get into our Kansas picks, let's first look at some big news that happened this week in the NASCAR world. 
All right, let's get started with one of the bigger news from this week that is definitely big news for diehard NASCAR fans, and that is Brian France was on the NASCAR Sirius XM radio show, and they were asking him if he was going to make his return as he held the CEO position for 15 years starting in 2003. However, he had to leave after a DWI arrest in August of 2018 after Chase Elliott won the most popular driver. Just He's just known for screwing up the sport. Let's just say that much. And uh, basically what he said was, he said his uncle Jim France has been doing a great job at the helm of NASCAR, and he doesn't really plan to return. Now, for a lot of us, this is some great, great news because ever since he's been in charge, NASCAR's been on a downhill spiral. I know a lot of people said, well, he really picked up the safety part of it, but in a sense, not really. I mean, those safety measures were going to be put into effect before he was even going to go in, ever since the Dale Earnhardt Sr. incident and the Blaze Alexander incident. I mean, yeah, he did also take NASCAR to probably a new level, but at the same time, that was more of a short-term game, long-term loss. So NASCAR fans are really excited that he left. And Jim Francis, I, I agree with him. He's been doing a really good job. And I think for now, Brian France should not return to the sport because, I mean, it was just not good for the sport, for him, for really the France family. So let's just keep it at that. And let's just celebrate the fact, uh, it's National Ke- uh, Tequila Day, might as well celebrate now, that uh, he will not be coming back to the sport anytime soon. Okay, so let's cover some news that I was really wanting to talk about, and that was the whole Quinn Hoff incident that happened at Texas Motor Speedway. If you didn't watch the Texas race, what happened was the double zero car was trying to go down pit road. He was in the middle lane. I think he had a flat tire or something, and he just tried to cut straight down. He hit uh, Christopher Bell. He also hit Matt DiBenedetto. He totaled his car. He ruined those two guys' days, and everyone was really scratching their head like, what was that guy thinking? And Brad Keselowski brought up a very, very interesting uh, point or kind of an idea in a sense that if someone makes a poor mistake like that, they should not race in the Cup Series. They should be dropped down to the Xfinity Series until they show their talent down there and they can come back up. And also, Matty Bandetto was furious online and people were getting really mad at him because they were just like, you need to be sensitive. This is a rookie driver. And I feel like I need to share my personal opinion on this with it, with it, with all these things. So let me get into it. First off with Matty Bandetto, for the people who are complaining that he was outraged and that he called out Quinn Hoff, I'm sorry, but when you are in the top series and you make a horrible judgment call like that that not even truck series drivers make, yeah, you should be criticized. Matt Benedetto has a right to be upset because guess what? He's on a year-by-year contract with Wood Brothers Racing. If he does not perform, he's done. That's a $700,000 car. Wood Brothers took a hard hit on that because of that poor judgment call. And either way, Quinn Hoff may be a great guy. I hear he is a great guy. But you can be called out on your mistakes. If you call him an idiot or just a crappy driver, okay, that is a different story. You're attacking his character. But when he makes a mistake, yeah, you should be criticized. This is the top series. And when you make mistakes in the top series, be ready to get called out on it, no matter what sport you're in. And then go into Brad Keselowski with his idea. It, it is not an intelligent idea in any shape or form. And here's the reason why. If someone makes a mistake out on the track, let's say Kyle Busch. Remember Kyle Busch with that horrible incident at Darlington where he took out Chase Elliott? That was a bad call. Should he get moved down to the lower series for that mistake? 
Well, no, because he's a champion. Well, okay, so we're going to let that one fly, and we're going to let Quinn Hoff uh, get moved down? That makes no sense at all. That That's not an intelligent uh, thing at all. And the thing with Quinn Hoff, there's a reason why he's in this car. You know why he's in this car? It's because he brought up good sponsorships and good deals. And I think this goes back to the charters. Remember, you guys know the charters, right? The 36 spots where people are locked in for every single race, teams can buy into it. There's your problem. I think this goes all the way to that. And here's the reason why I'm going to say that is these guys like Rick Ware Racing and Starcom, they're no longer trying to find the best driver. They're trying to find the teams that bring the biggest sponsorships. And this is where it went horribly wrong. You had Garrett Smithley, who had a really slow car, but he had sponsorship, get right in Kyle Busch's way and take him out. Kyle Busch was kind of in the fault for that. But you saw how much slower he was. Morgan Shepard in the number 33 machine also had a charter, took out Joey Logano, and then you have Quinn Hoff right here. These guys may not be, in a sense, the top series drivers, but since they have this contract deal and they're with a charter team who's locked in, they don't care about that. They got money coming in because of these drivers, and it's ruined a lot of this competition. You you know how you fix this you get rid of the charters you go back to the old qualifying style it doesn't matter what points you're in let's say you're 13 in points and you're the 40th fastest guy or the 43rd you should not be in that race i don't care what is going on it, it, it's too bad oh but he's running for the playoffs too bad if you're not fast enough you should not be on that racetrack same thing with all these other guys if you want to fix it that's the way you fix it not this brad keselowski idea not saying oh he's just a rookie driver give him some slack this is a sport this is a business and you got to do it the right way i think that's the right way moving on Ooh, i got a little pissy in the last one it's okay we're gonna i mean when i'm kind of passionate about something i think it's uh, it's all right to use a little bit of emotion but let's move on to uh kind of a little bit more sadder news and that is with levine family racing driver of the number 95 christopher bell is with this team and they have been doing really, really good the last couple of years. They first started off as a team back in, I think, 2013, where they were just only running five races a year, and they just decided to go full-time, and they've been doing really, really good. But Levine has said over the past few months that he was walking a tightrope to keep the team afloat past 2020. And this could be because of the pandemic. This could be because of lack of sponsorships. I don't know what it is. Um, it's kind of interesting to see this team struggling, especially since they have such a good partnership with Joe Gibbs Racing. I'm hoping that this team stays in, but if not, it sounds like bidders uh, are trying to bid on this team, and it looks like the bids have been for an asking price in the mid to high seven figures. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope Levine family holds on to this team because they've been doing a really, really good job getting this team off the ground. I mean, I think the most successful one has been Front Row Motorsports or um, Furniture Row Racing. I think those guys were the best in a sense, but Levine has done really, really good. Let's see what happens here in the next few months. Hopefully, uh, Rick Ware Racing team doesn't buy them out because they're they're not there yet. They have some time to grow. Um, I'm hoping it's more of one of the top teams that buy them out if they have to. The best situation would be they get to stay in and Christopher Bell can have another successful year next year in this 95 team. But until then, we'll have to see. But teams are starting to struggle a bit due to the coronavirus pandemic. And that will conclude the news segment for this week. We do have a few other news stories that we're going to touch on on Monday. We're going to separate those out so this is not like a 45-minute episode. But those were some important ones that I wanted to cover. Now let's move on to our Kansas Speedway picks and see who did the best and who let us down. 
Alrighty, guys, we had uh, 15 picks. We had five guys that we thought were going to score a lot of points, five guys who were going to be in the top 10 for points, and the five dark horses. So let's go through them one by one, and let's see who did the best and who let us down. As far as the safe picks go, the guy who let us down the most, I'd say, would be Chase Elliott. I thought Chase Elliott was going to be a for sure top five guy, really likes this track, but Rick Henrik is not really right there with the top teams. He's right there between 10 and 15th, his, his cars. So Chase Elliott with 26 points, I think, was the biggest letdown out of all these guys. The one who really impressed us was obviously Denny Hamlin. His average point score here has been 37. He won the race. He scored 56 points. Hopefully you guys picked him because, man, he did a really, really good job. Uh, Kyle Busch actually redeemed himself really well. Even though he finished 11th, he still got 42 points. Same with Kevin Harvick with 42. A little bit lower than what I would have wanted with Kevin Harvick, but, you know, 42 points still. If you get anything in the 40s, that's usually really good. And then Ryan Blaney was set to have another like 43, maybe 50 point race, but he got that flat tire, same with Kyle Busch. But unfortunately, he could not get off faster than Kyle Busch could. And that damage really affected his car. He still got 33 points, but that's not kind of Ryan Blaney-esque in a sense. He usually scores on average 40 or more. So he was kind of the biggest letdown, second to Chase Elliott. As far as the top 10 guys go, the one who was the most impressive was Brad Keselowski. I almost put him on the safe picks, but uh, his results weren't really the best, and he had the lower average. I should have kept him up there because he did score 51 points, almost won the race. Really good job by him. Same with Martin Trix Jr. with 45 points. Um, he was definitely one of the guys to beat. He had a very competitive car throughout the entire race, so keep an eye on him, especially for night races at mile and a half. He might be the guy to go for from now on as we start moving towards the end of the season. Eric Jones with a good top five. Uh, average point score was 37. He got us 37 points, did exactly what his stats said. Um, I was really happy to include him. That's usually really good for Eric Jones. Kurt Busch was another guy who kind of fell below his average, a little bit of a letdown. He did get the top 10 per se, but he never really got any stage points. So 28 points, eh, that's all right. Not not my favorite, but it's still good. Uh, Joey Logano. I almost put him on the big gamble, but then I moved him to the top 10 because he's been scoring a lot of stage points, even though he's been finishing 15th or worse, and this was the time he didn't. So if you did put Joey Logano on there, that is my fault. I should have stuck with my original instincts and say, no, he's going to be more of a big gamble than he is going to be a top 10 guy got into that accident only got four measly points he was definitely the biggest letdown out of any driver here on this list so that will conclude those guys now let's move on to the dark horses eric amarola got us 42 points you know i should have kept him in the top 10 list he's 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 a top 10 guy right now and 42 points that was probably one of the top five points you could have gotten from someone so if you went with eric amarola you were really happy with that as long as he's on this hot streak just keep using him we'll see how he is on new hampshire but i think on mile and a half it's safe to use him right now chris busher in the number 17 oof Man, he didn't get me hardly anything, unfortunately. He only got uh, four points, got into many accidents, uh, really let me down. Luckily, I had him in the garage, but damn. Chris Buescher had some really good results, and this was the complete opposite. It was just a complete crap show for him. Clint Boyer in the number 14, a little lower than his averages. Uh, he's starting to fall off a little bit, which is not good because he needs some good finishes right now. Now he's on that cusp 
to make it into the playoffs. Alex Bowman was the best dark horse out of all these guys, and the number 88 machine got 31 points. His average was 30, did about his average. I say that's pretty good. And then Tyler Reddick, a little bit of a letdown compared to last year. He was in the 31 car and got 32 points. This time he got 29 points. I mean, it's okay in a sense, but I would have preferred if he got a little more points than that. And those were our 15 picks. Honestly, the one who did the best was Denny Hamlin, and then you had Brad Keselowski, and then Martin Trex Jr., and then... Eric Amarola, Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick were in a three-way tie for fourth. And then the guy who left the most down was Joey Logano and Chris Buescher. Those were the biggest letdowns. And as far as big gamble guys, let's just take a look at those guys and see how they did. I moved Jimmy Johnson into the big gamble list, and gosh, just no luck for that guy, man. I tells you. Uh, seven points, and he gets knocked out of the chase right now, so let's hope he can get back in. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was another guy who had a little bit of higher points average, had that electrical fire, one point. Matt DiBenedetto, uh, I, I thought he would be similar to Joey Logano, and he was. Uh, he only got one point. Austin Dillon got into an accident with 10 points. William Byron was actually one of the best guys as far as the big gambles that I did not include. He got really good there at the end, got 27 points. Good for him. The guy who did the best was Cole Custer. I said he wasn't even going to get a top 10. He proved me wrong. I did not see that one coming. I'll straight up say that. I was 100% wrong on that. I did not think he was going to do good, but congratulations to him. And then John Hunter Nemechek, known for getting a late race caution. That's just where he is right now. He's still a rookie, um, still getting all right results, but man, if he just does not spin out, he can get himself a top 15 finish. So let's in- let's include the five guys who did the best. This is the Doofus Doofus Rufus, Rufus uh, uh, bums list. list, and here's the five guys that he got. He had Cole Custer. Ty Dillon, Michael McDowell, Matt Kenseth, Daniel Suarez, and William Byron. Daniel Suarez is the driver that's not going to be used. I mean, good job for him, though, to get 19 points. But the total score, you do not want to be beaten by Doofus Doofus Rufus. Rufus. And his points are at... 120 points even so he had on average 24 points per driver so if we the observers mechanical manny crazy corrado and me have drivers who finished above 24 points we are good but if not we're gonna be known as bones for the week so let's get into it Alrighty, let's get my drivers out of the way because I already announced them on Wednesday, so let's get into it with mine. I had uh, six drivers, Tyler Reddick, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Martin Trex Jr., Eric Jones, and Chris Buescher. So I did not include Chris Buescher because he was my worst driver, and I got a total of 170 points. Noice. Not too bad. I mean, on average, I was getting uh, about 36 points per driver, which is pretty good. But as I looked at the other guys, because I did not announce their drivers, I wanted to keep the suspense. One person got an incredible amount of picks. Their worst person only got 31 points. Do you know how hard that is? 31 points. He kicked my ass. Beat me by about 57 points. And I finished second. And then there was one guy who finished worse than me by 13 points. And let me announce them. The guy with the bronze medal with a pick of Tyler Reddick, William Byron, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, and Kevin Harvick goes to Mechanical Manny. Oh, Mechanical Manny, you went with the uh, Rick Henrik picks, and that was not a bad pick at first, but man, as the race went on, we realized, oh my gosh, they're only going to be 10th through 15th place drivers, so... 
Sorry on that one. I mean, Jimmy Johnson really let you down, and so did Ryan Blaney in a sense. And unfortunately, you lost to me at 157 points compared to my 170. And we all know who the winner is now because I've announced it a little bit out of tune. Um, with a score of 227 points, bravo to Mr. Crazy Corrado. He is your winner of this week's fantasy picks. He had Martin Trex Jr., Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Eric Jones, and Alex Bowman. He, I mean, that was just perfect. If he would have replaced maybe Alex Bowman with, with Denny Hamlin, I mean, oh wow, I realized none of us picked Denny Hamlin. Whew. Man, we suck as observers. We cannot predict the winners, can we? But if he would have done that, he would have had almost the perfect uh, roster. He did an incredible job. I mean, bravo to him. Crazy Corrado, this is a well-deserved win. I've been giving you a lot of grief. And I think finally you just went full steroids on your picks this week. So congratulations to you. You get your victory, which means there's only one person who has not got a victory here in the observers. And that is Mechanical Manny. Oof. 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 Take the L's, my good sir. Maybe you can try again in New Hampshire, but going against some top observers over here. I shouldn't be talking too much crap because I only got second, but we're slowly starting to get better and better. Let's see how we do next Sunday, August 2nd at New Hampshire. And that will conclude the last segment of today's episode, guys. Always thank you so much for listening. We've had a lot of fun doing this. Um, I get the text messages from the other observers. Just always excited. We're, we're, we're talking about this all the time. Yes, they cannot be on the show every single episode, but they're just grateful just to be a part of it. And I'm grateful to have them on there. I really do appreciate Mechanical Manny and Crazy Corrado being so helpful with me on my picks and also just giving me a lot of good insight. And most of all, I want to thank you guys. I mean, this has been great we're we're on our 40th episode here and the downloads are starting to get higher and higher and i'm seeing people from all over the places downloading this uh podcast where i kind of almost made it in a sense as a joke but i realized how much i love doing this stuff i i really enjoy just talking about nascar and being able to give you guys the best picks sometimes it's not the best but i always work really hard and i'm getting better and better at it so thank you to everyone who's been a part of this i greatly appreciate it so much but enough of me being a softy, Guys, thank you for so much for listening to the best and for trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast.